Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio. Another amazing episode because in the house, so to speak, we have Denise Leon, who is the author of What Great Brands Do, but that's not the book we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the book that is coming out in just a week or two. It's called Fusion, How Integrating Brand and Culture Powers the World's Greatest Companies. And this is a great opportunity. You should get the book, pre-order it now. And by the way, if you're listening a year from now, why haven't you bought the book yet? But let me give you a quick little background on Denise. She's been working with some of the greatest brands in the world. One of my favorites, Frito-Lay. I just love the little scoops at the party. Oakley, the sunglasses that I can't afford. Sony, some of the coolest TVs and electronics in the world. You've worked for these great companies, Denise. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Hello, Shep. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And I'm excited you're here. And actually, this is your second time, so you're a repeat offender. And we I better be good the second time around, right? Yeah, we're going to get it right this time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Love the book. It really is. So much of the customer experience is is driven by the culture. And I've always believed that, you know, as much as a company tries to define what the what what the brand is about, at the end of the day, the customer is actually the one that gets to define it. It's what their experience is. So it all goes back to the culture of the company and the goal being that the experience we want the customer to have is in alignment with the experience they actually do have. And I kind of feel as I read through the book and I had that in mind, that's what I was thinking of. Um, any thoughts on that? Fusion, how integrated brand and culture powers the world's greatest companies. Love that. Yeah. So so if you think about brand and culture, you know, brand is your external identity. Culture is kind of like your internal operations, right? And many companies and many leaders, I think, uh, think about them too separately, you know, and maybe delegate brand to marketing, culture to HR, and never the two shall meet. And there's a lot of power that gets lost because these two things aren't aligned and integrated. But there's also, um, I think, a lot of disconnects that can come up between uh, when, uh, you, you know, your people are operating one way and you're saying that you really are something else. Um, but that goes then deeper to say that, well, if you want your brand and your culture to be fused together, then your customer experience and your employee experience must be fused together as well. In fact, I will say that employees can and will only deliver experiences to customers that they experience themselves. Okay, say that again because that is a tweetable moment. Yes. Employees can and will only deliver experiences to customers that they experience themselves. Amen. Yeah, Boom, you can't pow. expect your employee. Yeah, you can't expect your employee to to you know know how to treat their customers, know how to serve them in the unique ways that that you want them to, um, know how to solve problems if they're not experiencing those same values and those same principles themselves. So I talk about something I've come up and called the employee golden rule, which mm. is. It's like, you know, the golden rule, do unto others as you want done unto yourself. Well, mm-hmm. do unto your employees the way you want done unto the customer, if not even yes. better. 
And, yes. you know, it's modeled internally and therefore it permeates to the outside. What's happening on the inside of an organization is felt on the outside by the customer. I love that golden rule. And, you know, so I think that there are really maybe two levels to that golden rule. If I could maybe riff on on what you uh, rock what you and said roll, so far. riff all you um, want. Yeah. So the first is that, you know, there's a, um, a baseline of, uh, you know, decency and respect and integrity and good communication that you must, as a manager, use to engage your employees. You know, first of all, it's just human. It's, it, you know, that's what you need to do. But secondly, as a manager, it's your responsibility to do to your employee what you would want them to do to you, right? So there's definitely that baseline. And so that's, I think, if you're not doing that as a manager, then, you know, you need to kind of start with that fundamental level. Mm -hmm. I think that there's another level that goes beyond and says, okay, once you've got that baseline covered, how do you engage your employees in the unique ways that you want them to engage your customers? So, for example, and this is a very basic one, but a lot of companies these days are moving to um, technology as a way to engage customers, whether that's you know mobile ordering or mobile payment, or um, whether it's through uh, digital media where there's you know ads or communication, social media, whatever. You know, so technology has become a critical part of the customer experience. If you inside your company are still using like antiquated processes like lots of paperwork, you're not equipping your employees with good technology or your systems don't work all the time, then how do you expect them, how do you expect your employees to turn around and engage your customers with that technology? It's kind of like, wait a minute, that's that's um, that's a huge disconnect and you're not empowering or equipping your employees in the way that you want them to, to serve your customers. I get it. That's great. So good good riff on the employee golden rule. All right. So in the book, you talk about forgetting about writing a mission statement. You say forget writing the mission statement. Instead, identify on a single overarching purpose and one set of core values. We could probably spend the entire time talking about this because I have my <laughs> my concept on what this is about too. And I mean, they're in alignment. We just use different mm -hmm. words to describe it. But this is a really, really powerful thing. I think every company needs a mission and value statement, but it's not mm -hmm. necessarily your brand statement. And the brand statement isn't about the tagline you have to define who you are to the customer in a commercial on the Super Bowl. Uh, no, the, your, your brand statement, in my mind, is your, your mantra, your credo, what you live for, and it's usually a single identify, identifiable and easily memorized set of words, one sentence or less, that you can go to any mm -hmm. employee and say, hey, what, what are we all about? Like here, we're three words long, always be amazing. If we aren't trying to always be amazing to our clients and teaching our clients to be amazing to their clients and customers and members, whatever they want to call them, and, and we're not creating amazing experiences here internally, we're not doing our job. And that's what we mm -hmm. live for, those three words. So talk to me about your concept of throwing out the mission statement and that single overarching purpose. Right. You know, the problem with mission statements is that they're usually written uh, or, you know, conceived of for – 
shareholders or other kind of stakeholders in the business. And so, um, you know, you get these mission statements that define the scope of the business, maybe what the what the company does or it sells. Um, and maybe, you know, it says something like we are here to improve shareholder value or to um, develop uh, products and services cost effectively and, you know, with minimized risk or, you know, there, there are all these um, business terms that may be relevant and compelling to an investor, um, but they're not a, a relevant and compelling to employees, and they certainly aren't relevant and compelling to customers. And so what happens is then the, the same company will say, okay, we've got that mission statement, but then let's say our brand is going to stand for, um, you know, fun and entertainment. And so what happens is both your employees as well as your customers, I think, get caught up in that disconnect, and they can be very confusing. So am I supposed to be making decisions as an employee based on saving money and creating value for my shareholders, or am I supposed to be making decisions based on making my customers have fun and entertaining experiences? Often those two will not be the same, and so then you're, you're not setting your employees up for success. So what I recommend is that you articulate one overarching purpose that is for your brand, for your business, for your employees, for all of your stakeholders. So, you know, probably the most, one of the most well-known um, uh, purpose statements are, and in fact, you know, to your point, different people call it different things. I think Nike calls theirs um, their, their mission. Um, but, you know, they say that uh, they want to bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete. And by the way, if you have a body, you're an athlete. And if so you what have that a body, does. Oh, I'm, I'm, a, <laughs> I like that. I'm an athlete. Yes, you are. Um, and so this idea of bringing inspiration and innovation to every athlete, I think, is something that motivates. Um, employees because they're like, okay, we it motivates and guides employees, I should say. So they know, okay, everything that I do needs to be through this filter of am I going to be inspiring someone? Am I going to be bringing innovation to them? It obviously motivates customers. I mean, the way that Nike translated that is in their tagline, just do it. But, and, you know, to your point, it's not, you know, they're not the same thing, but they're very much the same idea. Um, and that has been, I think, motivating. In fact, just the other day I was in a meeting and someone talked about just do it is, is still a very motivating idea. Um, and then I think that it, it can be motivating to investors and other stakeholders who want to see the company succeed. They want to see the company develop, deliver value um, to customers so that they increase their profits or they increase their shares, share value. And by bringing inspiration and innovation to every athlete, Nike does that. So it serves as a unifying, um, clarifying, and motivating idea for everyone who is impacted by the company. So everybody should have one of these. And what I mean by one is a single sentence that's purposeful. Always be amazing, uh, inspiration and innovation to every athlete, Nikes. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we've talked mm -hmm. about the Ritz-Carlton forever. We're ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Uh, one yeah. of my favorites has nothing to do with customer service, but it is definitely the guiding principle, and that's the Beatles mantra. And I, I call mm -hmm. it a mantra. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Do you know? Here's, here it is. You can fill in the blank. It was three words long, so it was real easy for them to remember. And it was uh, bigger than fill in the blank. 
You know, if you're oh, a Beatles I'm fan, a, I know you're yes, not a Beatles fan. I'm not fan. a Beatles fan. Well, oh, I'm uh, going to fail this test. No, 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 no. Sorry. It's okay. It allows me to tell you because the mistake when I ask people, they go, oh, yeah, uh, John Lennon said uh, bigger than Jesus. Big mistake he made. He's not. That wasn't their guiding principle, by the way. Somebody <laughs> asked them, well, how big do you think you are? And he said, oh, we're bigger. And that was he got a lot of oh, uh, flack for that. awesome. Huh? But in uh-huh. the early days when they were just starting out, it was bigger uh-huh. than Elvis. Ah. So that was their North Star, their the, where the compass pointed, where they wanted to go. So whenever they did a song, they always asked, just as you mentioned a moment ago when we're working on a project at Nike, is this going to fall into inspiration and innovation for every athlete? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. is this new song going to help make us bigger than Elvis? Is taking that tour to Germany, which is some people say the defining moment for the Beatles when they, they left uh, Liverpool and or not was it Liverpool? Yeah, it was Liverpool, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and went to Germany. Is this going to help make us bigger than Elvis? And that's what they they focused on. Everything had to. Is this going to make us bigger than Elvis? So is is this amazing behavior? You know, somebody uh, who's got a question: Should we do this mm-hmm. or not? Is this going to make the mm-hmm. customer happy? Well, just think about it. Is it amazing or not? And we right. define amazing a different way than a lot of people do, so it's within reach of everybody. But I love this. I love this. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, I've got several other questions. We are talking with Denise Leon. She is the author of the new book, Fusion, How Integrating Brand and Culture Powers the World's Greatest Companies. You've already gotten a few ideas. If you haven't figured out that culture is all about what the customer experience is all about, well, that's what we're talking about today. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Chef Hyken here. How would you like customer service training anytime you want it or need it, day or night? Well, with Shepherd Virtual Training, you will have world-class customer service training at your fingertips online 24-7, 365 days a year. Just go to www.chefondemand.com. Once again, that's chefondemand.com. And remember, always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Denise Leon, and we're talking about culture. So we've we've discussed the mission statement. We've discussed that identifying single overarching purpose, one set of core values. So it's not even a set. It's just one major core value. By the way, underneath it, I can see how you can create, you know, sub core values, if you will, that drive to that big one. Uh, I always... You know, I feel like I'm a broken record with the Ritz-Carlton's, but I know that everybody that comes to the Ritz is taught we're ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And then depending on what their job is, it doesn't matter what it is. They are trained a certain way to deliver on that. So let's talk about how you determine your desired culture and get it into alignment with that, that statement that you make. Mm-hmm. Well, for most companies, I would say that they have a – um, clearer sense of what makes their brand unique or what should make their brand unique than what makes their culture unique. And I would say that uniqueness is probably one of the strongest attributes of a, of a healthy culture in the sense that you want to have a culture that engages your employees in the specific behavior, attitudes and behaviors and decisions that will ultimately lead to 
your customer experience. And if you and you don't want to just have a generic customer experience. I mean, sure, you want to have a good one, right? But you want to have a memorable, valuable, unique customer experience. So your culture needs to be unique as well. Okay. So with that as the foundation, I would say it, your brand can serve as a great um, guide post or, or you know guiding um, map almost to help you identify what your what the elements of your culture should be. So, um, and in fact, in my book, I have an assessment, the brand culture fusion assessment that helps you look at what kind of brand you have or what kind of brand you want to have. And then what are the cultural values? What are the core values that you need in order to deliver that? A very basic example, um, you know, we're talking about Nike and innovation. So let's say you want to have an innovative brand. Well, then your culture needs to embrace learning and risk-taking and engaging in new ideas. Um, And so once you know that that's the kind of culture that you want, then there are several steps that you need to take um, to, to cultivate that culture. The first is you as a leader need to take responsibility for it. And whether you are at the C level of your organization or whether you are a frontline manager, so much of what your employees experience comes down to what you personally communicate and role model and do in your work yourself. So as a leader, the first thing you need to do to cultivate your culture is to embrace your responsibility as a driver of culture. You know, I said earlier that one of the things that I see a lot of organizations do is, you know, the CEO will delegate culture to the HR group. And while HR definitely influences culture a lot through all of their policies and processes, at the end of the day, you know, it's the, the, the functional leaders of the company who set the tone for the company. So as a leader, you need to take responsibility for it. That's the very first step. Mm-hmm. Then the next, the next step is about organizing and operating on brand. So, you know, people don't often think about how their organization is designed, you know, how much hierarchy there is, how much structure, what are the roles, what are, what are the interfaces between the groups. But that really affects, affects culture a lot. If you want to foster a culture of collaboration and teamwork and, and, you know, groups embracing each other, well, you probably shouldn't have a lot of silos in your organization. You know, you should probably look for um, ways that you can bring people together in larger departments so that they feel a sense of working together just by the, the organizational design. And then operations, you know, um, think about it again, if you want to become an innovative brand and therefore you need to foster an innovative culture, maybe you need to develop a, a, a fast prototyping process. Or maybe you need to um, uh, redesign your new product development process so that it is um, more expansive or more exploratory. Whatever the case may be, there's so much that you can influence in your culture just through your organizational design and operation. Right, and it needs to be congruent with the culture you're trying to create, your brand promise. You know, one of the things you mentioned early in in this, you know, several-step process was the CEO doesn't get to delegate it to HR, even though they have major impact. I interviewed a number of CEOs and owners of businesses, and one one executive gave me the best answer. I said, what is your job? What's the most important thing that you do? I mean, here you are at the top of this big, big company. I mean, what do you do day in and day out? He goes, well, probably the most important job I have is to defend the culture. Mm-hmm. So 
the the you know the leadership uh, help define it if they didn't actually define it themselves. They need to actually go out and and deliver on it, defend it. Um, and my little six step culture building process step number four is that uh, leaders and even frontline managers, anybody that's in a supervisory manager or leadership position, uh, actually goes out and demonstrates it by their actions. And uh, yes. the next step is to keep it in alignment if it goes out of alignment. But that's that's yes. what you're trying to say here. That's a really important part of it. So can yes. you give us um, – you gave us a great example uh, with, with Nike. You know, how do you empower – this is the most important part, empowering people to deliver on the culture so that you make this statement and then you've got to give people – you give them the direction, so there's some training that may go along with it, and there's some understanding that may go along with it. But then how do you get them to actually do it and empower them to feel comfortable about doing it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think that goes back to the very first thing we talked about. They need to experience it themselves. So, yes, they need to be trained on it, and they need to, you know, be instructed and informed, but there's nothing like the personal experience of it. So um, another company I'll talk about is Airbnb, you know, the company, uh, the hospitality company where you can rent a room or a home or um, an experience from someone, uh, from another host. So, yep, the lodging um, company and, that owns no lodges, hotels, Yes, properties. that's a great way to put it, yes. So their their um, the idea, you know, their equivalent of um, amazing business is this idea of belonging. In fact, from a brand standpoint, they have this whole belong anywhere campaign, which encourages you know customers or guests to feel like they're at home wherever they are. Okay, what what's brilliant about how Airbnb approached this, though, is they said this can't just be an external idea. We can't just promote this among our guests and hosts. We need to promote this among our employees, too. We need to make them feel like they belong. They belong here at Airbnb, that this is a place where they feel like it's their home. So they, they've created you know, a wonderful work environment that enables them to do that. You know, uh, employees um, have like home bases where they can store their stuff and plug in their, their devices, but generally you know, they're free to work wherever and whenever because that's what you do at home. Um, they also create cohorts of new hires so that you really feel a sense of belonging to a smaller group, and those cohorts cohorts stay together throughout their employment. Um, they they do things like bring helping guests and um, hosts and employees all feel like they belong together by bringing them together. Um, they ha- they'll have conferences where they'll bringing they're bringing in hosts and employees to interact directly with each other. So everything that an employee experiences at Airbnb makes them feel like they belong. So that when they go to do their jobs, you know, whether it is, you know, it's a programmer who's working on the app, um, you know, working on the software app to make, to, you know, actually fulfill the product that Airbnb is um, developing, or if it's, um, you know, a marketing person that is trying to convey this idea to customers, whatever it may be, they go in already knowing what it feels like to belong and knowing how important that is. And then they're able to make decisions and actually execute their their uh, jobs with that knowledge. So it becomes almost intuitive. You know, you don't have to tell people, you know, we want this to make people feel like, make our customers feel like they belong. 
They already know that. And that goes, I guess, back, Shep, now that I think about it, to the Ritz-Carlton um, example that you used. You know, if the, the reason why every employee down to the housekeeper treats customers like ladies and gentlemen is because they themselves are treated like ladies and gentlemen by their managers and by the company. And that's exactly so, what it's all about. Exactly. Yeah, so just a point before we take another quick break is that you have defined that single overarching purpose in one set of core values, if you will, and the statement that you have that defines who you are to your customer, and ideally it also defines who you are to the employees. So you live it internally and externally. The Airbnb example, perfect example of that. Your Nike example, spot on, major company. When we come back, we're going to talk about more examples, more companies, more ideas on how to create that culture that that gets your brand to be perceived the way you want your brand to be perceived. The book is called Fusion, and it's by Denise Leon. It's coming out real soon. You can get it as a pre-order if you're already, uh, if you if this you're listening to this a year or two or three years from now, just go on Amazon and get the book. We'll be right back. Don't go away. We've got a little bit more for you before the end of the show. Want to amaze your customers, impress the people you work with, and outshine your competition? Going from average to amazing isn't an out-of-reach goal. In fact, amazement is a habit that anyone can master. In my latest book, Be Amazing or Go Home, I share the secrets behind my mantra, which is to always be amazing. Drawing on the routines of incredible people, I share simple practices that can elevate your game. Once you master those habits, you'll be able to create trust, build stronger relationships, make sales, advance your career, and much more. Now is the time to step out of ordinary and step into being amazing. Be Amazing or Go Home is now available on Amazon.com in ebook and hardcover. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. So we've there's a five-step strategy process that you have, and we've kind of, it sounds like, gone through two of them. The first being to uh, organize your company and operate it on brand, as you say, uh, create the culture-changing experience for your employees. You did a great, you know, the Airbnb example. And I know there's three more, and before the end of the show, I want to make sure we get through all five of these. So uh, ready, set, go. <laughs> okay, so the next um, strategy is to, I call it sweat the small stuff. And by small stuff, I mean rituals, artifacts, policies, and procedures. All of those things that may seem um, kind of like mundane elements of your organizational life, but they actually are little things that make a big impact. By using rituals and artifacts, you engage your employees, and rituals meaning, you know, regular occurrences that you do, maybe it's like a pre-meeting huddle um, or a celebration you, you make every time you win a great sale, um, artifact being something you create, um, you know, whether it be a, um, a gift for your employees or, you know, something in, in your office environment, et cetera. And those, these things that um, companies do a lot of, but they don't necessarily think about how do I, how do I align these with the desired culture and be very deliberate about that. Same with thing with policies and procedures. Certainly you have to have all the legal stuff in there, but how can you really facilitate the kind of culture you want through your technology policy or your dress code or your vacation policy? So that's the third strategy. Sweat the small stuff. Oh, then 
Number four. Then I talk, number four, I talk about ignite your transformation. This is about kicking off and then sustaining the momentum for employee brand engagement. And here's what I'll say. Most companies know now about the importance of employee engagement. You want happy, productive employees. But I say that you don't just want happy and productive employees. You want happy, productive employees that create extraordinary experiences. The only way they're going to do that is if they know what your brand stands for and knows how to deliver it uh, in their experience, in the customer experience. So through engagement uh, in experiences, through communications campaigns, through toolkits, you're really able to ignite this employee brand engagement transformation. Love it. And then the final strategy is build your brand from the inside out. So earlier I said that most companies are pretty clear about the kind of brand they want, but maybe not necessarily clear about the culture they want. This strategy is for those who really do have a very strong culture, but maybe, or I should say healthy and valuable culture, but maybe don't have the clarity about their brand so much. And in this case, the opportunity is to take what you're doing on the inside and make it meaningful to customers, whether and, and make that be part of your brand identity. So, you know, a good example is REI. You know, they're all about embracing the outdoors. Mm -hmm. They decided to give their employees Black Friday off because they wanted to encourage their employees to be outside. Then they turned that into a customer and brand campaign and said, let's encourage everyone to go outside instead of shopping on Black Friday. So that's a way that they built their brand using their culture, building the brand from the inside out. So wow. that's the last strategy. Love it. I love it. It's, I call that the Black Friday Stay Outside Revolution. <laughs> love that. Uh, do it for the employees. <laughs> it's perfect. So those five steps are critical to every every company, large or small. I don't care if you're a solo entrepreneur. You need to define what your culture is about. You need to uh, you know, identify that single overarching purpose and, and that, that, that core value that you're all about uh, and and. Being able to do it for the inside and the outside of the organization is crucial. So covered one through five. So I'm going to ask you for one more. And this is the final question of our time on the show today. And by the way, again, awesome to have you back on the show. I want to emphasize, if you haven't gotten Denise Leon's book, it, go get it right now. Uh, if, you're, if, if you're listening to the show the day it comes out, you're going to have to wait. But you need to order it now. Do it so you, they don't run out because you could run out. It could happen, right? <laughs> anyway, in the book, again, it's called Fusion, How Integrating Brand and Culture Powers the World's Greatest Companies. And you'll also see that she's also wrote the book, What Great Brands Do. Probably worth reading as well. So, Denise, thanks for being on the show. One last final question. I call it the one thing question. Uh, it's like the lightning round, but it's only one question, so it's quick. What's the one thing you want this audience to remember when we're done? It could be something that you've already mentioned that you want to reemphasize, or it's something brand new. What would that be? Mm -hmm. There is no one single right culture that every organization should have. There is a right culture for your organization, and that culture is really all about what makes you uniquely you. So don't try to... to, to co-opt someone else's culture and copy other people's cultural practices. Determine what is going to make your customer experience unique and valuable, and then build your culture so that your, your employees deliver on that. Got it. And you know what I tell everybody who's listening to the show? We'll go back to three words you used earlier on with one of your clients. Just do it. 
or I don't know if they're your client, but they're one of your great examples, that's for sure. And by the way, other great companies that are represented in the book are companies like REI and Airbnb, who you've mentioned, but MGM Resorts, Amazon, and many others. This is a book you want to go out and get. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200 until you go out and purchase Fusion, How Integrating Brand and Culture Powers the World's Greatest Companies by Denise Leon. Denise, thanks for being back on the show. Really appreciate you. Thank you, Chef. It's been great. All right, everybody, another episode of Amazing Business Radio. And until next time, my three favorite words to remind you are always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.